0: Welcome back, Missio family. Today, you'll hear Pastor Josh talk about how biblical joy is found in trusting in Jesus, not in circumstances in life. It can be lost by falling into legalism, but regained by understanding grace. If you have any questions about Missio, you'd like to join a missional community, or you have any prayer requests, please contact us at missio.life.
1: Well, welcome, and uh, just a special welcome for you. If this is your first time or maybe your second time with us, I just wanted to give you a little bit of a snapshot of who we are as a church. Our mission statement is love Jesus, live sent. Sometimes you see it on the back of a T-shirt. And where we get that is from the two greatest commands in Scripture. Um, Jesus said the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's where we get the love Jesus part. And live sent comes from the Great Commission, Go therefore make disciples of all the nations. And that was Jesus' command to his disciples, which includes us. That's where we get to live sent. We are the people who bring the gospel to others. So that's who we are in a nutshell. Um, In case you're wondering a little bit more about the church, we could chat afterwards. But welcome. And I just wanted to make one other quick announcement that we are going to have student ministry starting up in November. So 6th to 12th grade, we will have some student ministry firing up. So I'm really excited about that. Next Sunday, you'll be able to meet Matt. He's the guy who's going to be heading that up. And so just kind of stay tuned and we'll keep you informed on that. Uh, We all probably know what a lost and found is, right? Everybody's probably lost something at some point in time. That's where your stuff goes if you lose it. And that's hopefully the place where you go and find it when you've lost something, Uh, I was watching a documentary a while back um, about the airline industry and they have these huge rooms full of stuff. You guys know this? Like they have racks and racks of suitcases and items that have been left in airports and on airplanes. And if you leave something in an airport, it's kind of a process to get it back. You gotta go through some red tape, a TSA and the whole paperwork thing. But I, I found this statistic. According to the LA Times... At LAX, one of the busier airports in our nation, um, the TSA said they found 154 laptops, 98 cell phones, 229 driver's licenses, 18 iPads, 32 wallets. That's in one month. So like 3,700 items in one month were lost at LAX. And if you go around the country to some of the major airports, it's somewhere between 12 and 18,000 items a year. Could you imagine just managing the lost and found In an airport. But losing something is a hassle, isn't it? Because it takes time and energy. You gotta go find it. You gotta go through the process of getting it back. That's if you find it. If you've lost it, then there's the cost of replacing it. You lose a laptop or an iPhone, you're set back, you know, a thousand bucks. Like, when did iPhones get so expensive, by the way? Like, when did that happen? It's just like over a thousand dollars now for an iPhone. The point is, nobody enjoys losing something that they care about. Nobody wants to lose something. And we can lose items like wallets or phones or keys, but we can also lose things in our life, in our, in our, our heart, like joy. Uh, we're going to talk about biblical joy and how uh, maybe we've lost it and how we can find it. So we've been in this series in the book of Philippians. If you want to turn there, if you have a Bible, we're going to be in Philippians 3 or a Bible app. And we'll read it in just a moment. But what we found is that the Apostle Paul talks a lot about joy. And he talks about joy amidst his circumstances. Like the dude's imprisoned, chained to a guard, and he's one of the most joyful people that we could ever meet. And his secret to joy is it wasn't based on his circumstances as much as it was his perspective on life, his attitude, his posture, even amidst hard circumstances. And that's been a, a theme throughout this, this uh, series. So if you're here today and you're full of joy, I'm, I'm happy for you, I'm, I'm glad. And you probably could even have more joy. Or if you're here today and you're like, man, I don't have any joy. I'm just like down and life is hard and I just, I don't know how to find joy and I don't, I don't know where I lost it along the way. I wanna encourage you, no matter where you're at today, God's desire for you is to experience joy in your heart. And I know that because joy is one of the fruits of the Spirit. And if you have the Spirit of God dwelling in you, He is your source of true joy. However, if you don't have joy and you're kind of wondering about it, you might find it in a way that you don't quite expect. So let's go to our text and read it together. Philippians 3, and we're going to read the first 11 verses. Paul's letter to the Philippians. He says, whatever happens, my dear brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. I never get tired of telling you these things, and I do it to safeguard your faith. Watch out for those dogs, those people who do evil, those mutilators who say you must be circumcised to be saved. For we who worship by the Spirit of God, we are the ones who are truly circumcised. We rely on what Christ Jesus has done for us. We put no confidence in human effort, though I could have confidence in my own effort if anyone could. Indeed, if others have reasons for confidence in their own efforts, I have even more. I was circumcised when I was eight days old. I am a pure-blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew if there ever was one. I was a member of the Pharisees who demand the strictest obedience to Jewish law. I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. And as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. I once thought that these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord." For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I now no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of marking, making us right with himself depends on faith. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him sharing in his death, so that one way or another I will experience the resurrection from the dead. So we first have to understand the context to which Paul wrote this letter. We know it was the church in Philippi. This was a church that he had started, and I've given a lot of background on that throughout the series. But Paul was in chains in Rome, and he's writing to his friends, and he's trying to encourage them, he's trying to correct them a little bit, and... So the Philippian church was primarily Gentiles. They were not Jewish people for the most part. However, the church that started in the book of Acts was primarily Jewish. And even Jesus was a Jew. And so there's this Jewish influence that was coming to the Philippians. And not only that with their law and the cultures, but then you had the Pharisees. The Pharisees were like these strict leaders. They were the God experts, They were the ones who had gone to lots of schooling and were supposed to have all the answers. And so no doubt the Philippians would look at the Pharisees and say, yeah, you guys kinda have it together. You you speak with authority and you think you know everything and so we're gonna listen to what you say. And again, the teaching of circumcision was Old Covenant, a covenant that God gave to his chosen people, Israel. He said, I want a relationship with you and I'm gonna give you this mark on your body that's gonna show that you are my people. It's a promise, it's a covenant. So the Pharisees loved to teach the law, but then they added to it as well. They made a whole bunch of extra rules and they kinda stacked up a bunch of things on top of what God gave them to teach. So that's a little bit of the background of the law and the Jewish influence that the Philippians would have been feeling the, the pull with. So I wanted you to make that connection before we unpack this. So let's go through this text a little bit And see what Paul had to say. The first thing he says is basically rejoice for your own good. He tells them, it is for your own good that you rejoice. Have joy. Verse one, whatever happens, my dear brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. I never get tired of telling you these things and I do it to safeguard your faith. So he says no matter what happens in life, again, we didn't know, Paul didn't know for sure if he was going to get out of prison, if he was going to be able to go visit them in person, but he says it doesn't matter whether I live or die, it's all good, God's got me. Remember we talked about that in in chapter two, but he says um, rejoice in the Lord, it's for your own good. Whatever happens, whatever happens to me, whatever happens to you, rejoice in the Lord because it safeguards your faith. What does that mean? He wants to safeguard their faith because they can lose their joy. So basically safeguarding their faith equals affirm, affirming the truth of the gospel. We can all get off track with our beliefs, can't we? We start to believe things about God that aren't true or we begin to kind of, um, well the circumstance happens so that must mean that God is a certain way and we can get way off on our beliefs about God and then that affects what we believe to be true about ourselves. And Paul says, I need to remind you of these things, the truths of the gospel, regularly so that you come back to the reality that safeguards your faith and you can live with joy. By the way, um, I just want to take a little bit of a tangent here and, and explain joy, because we've talked a lot about joy throughout this series, and I found myself wrestling with it. It's like, well, joy is a choice, but it's an emotion, and, you know, how do we wrap our brains around this. So let's talk about biblical joy for just a second. Because what's happened in our culture is we've been informed about what joy is by the world around us. We are basically told that joy is something that we feel and experience as a result of what we do. So think of it like a vending machine. I put in some coins and I hit the button and I get snacks. That's kind of how we view joy. That if I work hard at my job and I get the promotion... I'm gonna feel good, I'm gonna experience joy. If I go on that vacation and I experience bliss, then there's joy, right? It's that kind of a thing, like if I put in these certain things and I work hard, I'm gonna experience joy. The problem with that is, well, we feel pretty good until something hits us and knocks us back down and there might be a disappointment in life or there might be some pain or some hurt and then all of a sudden, joy's out the window. It's, it's like a roller coaster, it's up and down. That's kind of how the world has educated us to experience joy. Well, biblical joy is a little bit different. Biblical joy is a choice that we make. So cultural joy is temporary. It's an after effect of something that we have worked for. But Christian joy, the, the, the joy that the Bible talks about is a choice that we make to focus on the realities of God. Who's God? Who am I? And how do I get to now live as a result? So we can be experiencing sorrow or pain or grief and still have joy, does that make sense? Like we can have all these other emotions going on and still have joy, that's how Paul did it. That's how he was in prison, in a bad situation and still could be joyful because he says, my joy comes from God, it's a deep seated part of who I am given from the Holy Spirit. So our joy rests upon our faith in the Lord. It's not just a, you know, like a, a chemical thing in our brain where dopamine's released and we feel good. I mean, that's, that's part of it, but it's, it's a lot deeper than that. So biblical joy is not a temporary emotion, a release of the right chemicals in our brain. It's a way of being. It's a lifestyle, a lens through which you walk in the world. And so we can coexist, we can have joy in our heart, but still experience pain or loss or these other emotions simultaneously. Uh, Psalm 4-7, the psalmist says, you have given me greater joy than those who have abundant harvests of grain and new wine. So what the psalmist is saying is, those people who had a good year, I grew up on a farm and like when you had a good year, man, everyone's happy at harvest time. Um, And so what he's saying is you can have abundant harvest, but the joy that God gives me is even better than circumstances. Biblical joy is a choice. It is hope and faith. And so Paul says, I remind you of these things because it's for your benefit. I want you to experience joy. I want you to be reminded. Nehemiah 8.10 says, the joy of the Lord is your strength. And so when we live with joy. We have strength that we can persevere through the trials of this life because of what God has done for us. So Paul goes on and he gets very specific about how we can lose joy. And I wanna look at verse two through four. Legalism steals joy. This is basically what he says. Verse two through four. Watch out for those dogs, those people who do evil, those mutilators who say you must be circumcised to be saved. For we who worship by the spirit of God are the ones who are truly circumcised. We rely on what Christ Jesus has done for us. We put no confidence in human effort though I could have confidence in my effort if anyone could. Indeed, I have others. Uh, If others have reason for confidence in their efforts, I have even more. So in Jewish culture, dogs were considered unclean. And Paul's saying, he's using slang, he's saying those teachers of religious law, those Pharisees, they're dogs. They're mutilators of the flesh. And he's referring to circumcision. Because what they were teaching is that you had to be circumcised in order to be right with God, in order to have a relationship with God, you had to be circumcised. And Paul's saying, no, 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 that's not the gospel. That's Old Covenant, yeah, God gave that as a, as a sign under the Old Covenant, but now the New Covenant is here. Jesus is here, and there's grace, and we don't have to do that in order to be made right with God, it's through faith. So Paul, he says it's the opposite, it's not about your human effort, it's not about the things you do, and Paul said, if anyone could have done that, bragged about it, it was him. Look at verse five. I was circumcised when I was eight days old because he, he was a Jew. I'm a pure-blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew if there ever was one. I was a member of the Pharisees who demanded the strictest obedience to Jewish law. He says, I was so zealous that I persecuted the church. So if there, was, there was no one better at keeping the law than Paul. He was admitting that. He said, I checked all the boxes. I did all the stuff. In fact, he was so zealous that he stood there. The book of Acts, we read about Stephen being stoned. Like, the guys are just, like, hucking rocks at him. And like, and Paul's like, yep, I approve of this because this is how I serve God. I'm obeying the law by stoning a man. That's how zealous Paul was. But now, he's flipped it around. He says, I understand the gospel. We probably know some people who, are super devout to their religion. Uh, maybe we know somebody who's a Muslim or a Buddhist or some other world religion, even Christians can be very, very devout. And um, I understand like, if a, if a different world religion doesn't teach grace as part of their core you know, theology doctrine, I get that. But if a person is a Christian and reads the Bible and you, un- you read about grace, like, why would anybody want to go back to trying to keep the law? But it doesn't make sense. Why would somebody want to go back to trying to please God through keeping rules rather than grace? And I'll tell you why. It's pride and it's control. People that want to live a legalistic experience have pride and control. Legalism gives pride and control a home in our heart. It basically says, I'm going to be in charge of my own righteousness. I'm going to decide what is right and wrong. I don't know if you realize this, but that started way back in the beginning with Adam and Eve. They ate of the tree of what? Anybody remember? The knowledge of good and evil. They said, we're going to manage our own righteousness. We're going to say what's right and wrong. We're not going to trust God anymore. I'm going to set myself up to be in charge. And that's still the issue for us today. Legalism is a trap and it steals our joy. See, a person that's legalistic, you never quite measure up, never done enough. It's, it's always, you know, it's a ledger of what's right, what's wrong, what did I do? Did I do enough? Did I not do enough for themselves and for others? So legalism does not work for, to, for a person that wants to have joy. And nobody really wants to admit it. I mean, if I were to go around the room and say, all right, raise your hand if you're a legalist, I don't think we'd see a lot of hands, probably, But I'm going to give you a little quiz this morning, okay? So don't worry, this isn't going to affect your cumulative GPA. This is just a little pop quiz. So I want to read, I'm going to give you 10 phrases. I'm not going to put them on the screen, I'm just going to read them. So listen, and these are yes or no questions. And I just want you to listen and think to yourself, yes or no, to these statements, okay? The first one is this. I am continually criticizing the driving habits of others, yes or no? That's pretty much everyone. Okay, so number two, I believe that God loves me more when I behave. Yes or no? I entirely avoid people who drink, smoke, or swear. Yes or no? When I miss a Sunday service or church activity, I feel guilty. Yes or no? There are only a few Bible teachers who truly teach God's word. Yes or no? I want my children to avoid contact with sinful people at all costs. Yes or no? I have a sneaking suspicion that if Jesus returned while I was sinning, I would go to hell. Yes or no? I feel guilty when I exceed the speed limit, even by a few miles per hour. Yes or no? (sighs) Number nine, I feel unlucky or cursed if I skip Bible reading or prayer. Yes or no? And the last one, when I encounter another professing Christian, I find myself judging their appearance, yes or no. So we're not going to tally these up right now, but my guess is that probably all of us had at least one yes, maybe more, because we all have a tendency to be legalists, and it kills our joy, it steals our joy. So I want to pause for two questions of discussion here, and I just want to kind of tease this out and see what you guys think. The first question is this: Why is it so easy for us to fall back into legalism, even when we know about grace? What do you guys think?: It's natural for us we're born sinners.: It's natural for us. we're born sinners. Yeah. So receiving grace is not natural. We were taught rules before we were taught grace. Yeah. It's like any negative relationship we keep returning to because it's familiar. Yeah. He said it's like any negative relationship we return to it because it's familiar, even if it's not healthy. I think it kind of reflects how we think about ourselves. It reflects how we think about ourselves. Explain that a little bit more. That we're not good enough? Let me just ask another question. Is it, um, is it easier to show grace to yourself or others? Others, it's tough to be gracious with ourselves. That's, that's the hardest person to be gracious with. Second question is this We've talked about how joy is a choice, right? Biblical joy is a, a choosing, it's an act of the will. Can you describe a scenario where you would have to choose joy while also feeling like sadness or grief, like a conflicting emotion? you think of a scenario? Death in the family, family? yeah, that's a pretty common one. Any others? Losing a job? job? (laughs) Physical Physical ailments, yeah. Let the Holy Spirit shine through. Yeah, because circumstances might be kind of crummy, right? But choosing joy, saying, man, I realize the big picture here. God loves me. He cares about me. And that brings me great joy. Knowing eternity is set before us, right? And we have a hope in Him. So Paul talks about how legalism steals our joy. He says, I'm not going to put no confidence in the flesh. I was was that guy, right? Right? And he kind of flips it around. He says, when we live in grace, that's when we can truly experience joy because that's when we understand the truth of the gospel. Verse eight, yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ. So I don't know if you can hear it in his tone, but Paul is joyful, And it's interesting that he says, hey, all the good things that I did were garbage. I don't know if you can state it any stronger than that. Like, like I did some good things. You know, I served some people. No, he says, it's all garbage. I threw it out. Verse 9 and 10, I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I became righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. I want you to hear that, Faith and I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. So Paul throws out his resume. He says, hey, all that stuff that I did, it's garbage. It'd be like going into a job interview and you've got your resume all you know, beautiful and put together and you've got more um, experience than anyone else and you've got the schooling and the background and the pedigree and you're just like, I am, I'm a shoe in for this job. And then walking into that job interview and just going immediately over to the shredder and just, that's what Paul's doing. He's saying, it doesn't matter. Like all the stuff that I did, who I am, where I came from, the fact that I'm an Israelite and I was circumcised and I'm Benjamin, all that, doesn't matter. So what matters is faith. Trusting Jesus is the bottom line. So two more questions of discussion before we start to close this up. and the first one is this: Why would relying on God's grace rather than our own merit bring joy into our lives? I want you to just make that connection. Why would relying on God's grace, rather than our own merit, or being a legalist, bring joy into our lives? What do you guys think. We never measure up anyways.: We never measure up anyways.. And
0: so, Brings joy. It makes it fulfills.
1: So trusting in Christ brings joy. And I want to throw a word in there. Freedom. Yeah. We're set free from trying to keep the law, which we could never keep anyway. And again, that's where we show ourselves grace, right? Or need to. What else? Any other thoughts, insights on that? For me. So he said something about infinity and God's grace is infinite. Yeah, relying on God's grace, it does bring a great comfort. Yeah, and, and again, joy, like we rest. There's a, there's a resting in joy. There's a freedom in joy. And he's saying it's infinite. God's infinite in that. Uh, second question is, can you think of one example of how you might live under grace this week? So think about your coming week, maybe a scenario that you know is going to play out or work or school or whatever. How might you walk and live in grace this week? Just kind of a future application of maybe what you want to see happen. <laughs> Sorry, what would you say? you're living under grace yeah but how might we show grace to others maybe that's a better way to frame it how might we Yeah, God's the source of grace, absolutely. But we can show it to others by saying, "Hey, I'm not going to hold you accountable for whatever, or judge them, or yeah, it's yeah." Grace is over there; it's given, it's free. Anybody have a hard time showing grace to others? How about the driving thing? Why don't we just all just say, "Okay, let's uh, let's think about grace." I had some like road rage going on this week. I was cut off two times and like very, it was just, it's crazy how quickly I'm like, ooh, I'm like, you know what? It's all right. Let it go. So maybe that's our challenge for this week. When you're driving, think of grace. Thank you, Jesus. So if you've lost joy, if you're here today and you're like, I just, just not feeling it. I just don't have joy. Again, it's not something that we receive as like a passive thing. There's an active participation that we partner with God. The Holy Spirit's in us. He wants to give us joy. Just like patience. We choose patience, don't we? We choose joy as well. And God says, I'm gonna give it to you because I'm the source. And it's a fruit of the Spirit of God that dwells in us. And so I wanna encourage you today, if you're, you're thinking, I just, I don't have joy, I want joy. That is God's desire for you too. That's my desire for you. Again, we know Jesus. We should be the most joyful people on the planet, yeah. right? Because, not because of what we've done, but because of what Jesus has done for us, and it's all free, it's all a gift, it's all grace. When we become legalistic, we become bitter, become judgmental, harsh, and kind of all the fruits of the Spirit go out the window. It's kind of the opposite, right? If you know someone who's very legalistic, you really get all the opposite of the fruit of the Spirit. Again, God's desire is for us to remember the gospel, and that's why Paul said, I never get tired of reminding you because you need to do it over and over. You need to be reminded of the truths of the gospel. It safeguards your faith, and that's how you're gonna experience joy is by rehearsing the gospel. And so I just encourage you this week to take some time if you're not feeling joy and you're saying, man, I'm just kind of bummed out, think about who's God, who am I, and how do I get to live now as a result of who he is? It's just a great exercise. And so I want to just uh, encourage you to, as we close this morning, let's make this last worship song a response to God, a choice of joy to say, Lord, thank you for all you've done, all the gratitude I have in my heart for forgiving me, for making me yours, inviting me into your family and we can respond in joy even as we sing this closing song. And then maybe you need some people around you to remind you of the truths of the gospel. Maybe you've been kind of walking through life alone and you're isolated. It's easy to become bitter and just jaded. We need people to speak the truths. Just like the Philippians needed Paul to write the letter and say, hey, remember? Remember Jesus? Remember grace? It's not circumcision, it's not the law. Don't fall into that. I wanna remind you because it safeguards your faith. Maybe you need some people in your life to surround you and encourage you to keep walking with Jesus. Let's pray together as we close. Father, we thank you so much for joy and we're the first to acknowledge that sometimes we get it kind of mixed up. We think of joy as what happens to us when we're happy. And Lord, we hope that... We can experience happiness, we wanna experience happiness. But we also realize that this life is not a breeze. It's not always easy or always fun. And we're gonna go through sickness and we're gonna go through pain and we're gonna go through death. And in the midst of all of it, we can experience your joy, the fruit of the Spirit. God, that it flows from you. And so thank you that you love us, you care for us, you walk with us through this life. And even if you think think of that verse from Nehemiah, that the joy of the Lord is my strength. Helps me persevere. And so God, um, may we be a people of grace who truly understand the gospel, live it, and shine that good news to the people around us. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand as we close?
0: Josh left us with a few takeaways from today's service. Nobody enjoys losing things they care about. Rejoice for your own good. Whatever happens, my dear brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. I never get tired of telling you these things, and I do it to safeguard your faith. Paul wants to safeguard their faith because they could lose joy. Safeguarding their faith equals affirming the truth of the gospel. We can all get off track with our beliefs. Cultural joy is a temporary after-effect of something you had to work for. Even though Christians cannot rejoice in their circumstances, they can find themselves passing through pain, sorrow, grief, but they can still rejoice in Christ. Biblical joy is not a temporary emotion or release of the right chemicals in our brain. It is a way of being, a lifestyle, a lens through which you walk through the world. Biblical joy is a choice. It is hope and faith. Legalism steals joy. Legalism gives pride and control a home in our heart. Grace gives joy. Discussion Questions Why is it so easy for us to fall back into legalism, even when we know about grace? We talked about how joy is a choice for us. Can you describe a scenario where you have, or you would, choose joy while also feeling sadness or grief? Why would relying on God's grace rather than our own merit bring joy into our lives? Can you think of one example of how you might live under grace this week? Thanks for listening, Missio family, and we'll see you again next week.